Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most influential and listened to podcast in auto detailing. Welcome to the community. Hi, welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. My name is Marshall Hill. I'm your guide as we journey through the car care industry. You can find me and Nick on most platforms at HyperClean Store. And there's a new website you definitely want to go check out, hypercleanstore.com. Best way to get in touch, though, go to the specialist group, HyperClean Specialist Group on Facebook, or send us a text direct, 918-800-1188. And this is a little early for a beer, so I'm drinking a good old sparkling water. (laughs) We're recording this episode a little earlier than normal, and I was like, Nah, I, I was just too early for a beer. I might have consumed quite a few this past weekend and some celebrations. So, you know, I, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and go with the water today, Nick. Yeah, time to get the week, you know, get some of those toxins out. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, uh, I, I, we definitely, do you ever eat asparagus? I was eating, cooked quite a bit of asparagus because yeah. I, I, I think asparagus does a good job of cleaning out. Uh, yeah. So well, that's you, why you, you have all that kinds smell. of smelly stuff going, mm-hmm. going on at your house. I hear you. Um, so speaking of that, let's hop right into that's funny that we talked about that because my buy for the week is, uh, you know, listen, I we're, we're having some celebrations. I'm taking a shower and I'm relaxed and just having a good time. And I go, I got to go to the bathroom. I don't really want to get out to go to the bathroom. I go, fuck it. Piss right in the shower. And I go, wow, wow. How long has it been since I peed in the shower? Wow. Right? I don't know if this is podcast talk, but all right. I don't know either. Should you? Should you wow. pee in the shower? No. I, the last time I remember peeing in the shower was in college. Were you like and that's eight? what? And that's what was funny about it. I go, oh my word, the dorm conditions that I used to live in as an athlete in a D two school in the nineties were horrific. <laughs> <laughs> horrific and so they actually taught you my my uh personal trainers and stuff that were oh, for that, athlete's that, foot for athlete's yeah. foot yep absolutely yeah. and yeah. and it just it made me go holy shit i used to pee on my foot yeah i used to pee on my own feet just to make because our conditions were so bad so bad, so bad that we had also a mouse infestation and we were trapping all these mice and i you know what i go hmm I'm a pretty likable guy. And in college, you know, I was a very likable guy. I knew a lot of people. I knew a lot of the, the, the faculties and staff. I was just one of those guys who would walk around with a smile on my face. Cause I was happy as can be and just meet people. Right. Like I just was a social type person. So I, you know, I took it upon myself to grab a couple of these mice, put them in a brown paper sack and walk up to the Dean's office. Got a nice meeting right straight into the dean. Happy as can be. Hey, Marty, how's it going? At that time, I only went by Marty. Doing great. Hey, remember I told you we had some problems over in the dorm? And I sort of, I guess, adapted to be the spokesperson for the football team on the conditions of our dorm. She goes, yeah, yeah, you know, we're getting on that. We're getting on that. I go, okay, well, I just wanted to bring you a little present. Drop down that brown paper sack full of dead mice that were screaming on one of those little uh, <laughs> little sticky boards. She opens it, takes a look at it, and goes, Marty, why do you have this here? I go, oh, I just thought you'd like to see it. Get it out of my office now. Yes, ma'am. So you're going to take care of it? Yes. We didn't have another mice problem since then. That was the end of all the mice problems. So. You got a mice problem? Listen, pee on your feet. 
grab the mice, take it to the dean. Hey, listen, I'm buying just a nice relaxing shower. How about that? I'm not even going to wow, buy the other your side. Your boy. Yeah. Man, what a what a start to the podcast. Um Wow. I'm not even sure uh what to say at this point. Uh I'm going to buy something. <laughs> Patience. So went to a breakfast and lunch spot yesterday. They have a couple in town. Maybe this is their second location. We all know when you try a place out, you're, you know, if you don't have it vetted, nobody knows what can happen. So we go, I didn't pick it. Um, okay. Yeah. Let's go in there. Sounds good. Let's get a, uh, you know, breakfast and lunch type spot. It's about, I don't know, 1130. So we get in there, place is crowded. That's good. You know, usually places are crowded. People like the food, whatever. We proceed to have like one of the worst experiences and we weren't the, I mean, everyone, it, it was a, a combined horrific experience for everybody. So when we get our food, Marty, I got like this chicken dish, uh, you know, and it had like a small side of like pancakes or what they're trying to do like chicken and waffles, but you know, with pancakes, pancakes. basically mm. pancakes are pretty hard to mess up. Huh. I mean, it was like eating styrofoam, like meaning it was like in your mouth. It was like drying your mouth out. There was no, I go to cut into the chicken and it's like, you got to take those four saw motions to get through it. I don't, I, I just look, I'm like, I can't eat this. Like, and they always do the same thing. Hey, we'll take it back and we'll remake it. I said, well, wait a minute. These three tables over here have been waiting for their remade food for like, 30 yeah. minutes like please don't remake it <laughs> yeah yeah it's no biggie then the other thing is ah, we're gonna take it off your bill i'm like don't worry about any of that okay just bring us the bill whatever we watch a complete meltdown by this lady like it meltdown now i don't know how everybody else views this but you're out with your family. She's with her family. It's a family type atmosphere. You know, it's not, it's not a bunch of young people. It's a lot of families in there. And she just proceeds to melt down. You know, we came here, we expected this, we expected that. Well, and I go, I feel her pain. This is pretty bad, but I mean, there's 8 million restaurants that we can just walk over to and, and, and get food or whatever. You can go to a Wendy's or McDonald's on the way home or whatever. And it's just chalk it up. But the first thing that came to my mind and I said it out loud, I go, and the table next to me started cracking up. I go, there is zero doubt that this is going on the internet. <laughs> she is going to go and leave as many reviews as possible. Yet all of these people around us were kind of having a laugh about it. When you watch a collective group of 75 people in a restaurant just having a bad experience, it what do you do but just have a laugh about it, hang out with your kids, you know, fool around, mess around, get out of there, pay your bill, tip the waitress, move on with your life. But I watched the meltdowns yesterday, man. And when it comes to food, restaurants, and meltdowns, it's it's unbelievable to watch. Uh, and it's it's that hangriness that gets that extra little right. Like I was fucking hungry. You messed my shit up, and yeah. now like and that especially like point. if it's noon and somebody hasn't eaten, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're like, hey, um, we're gonna go to this spot, and so 
the other thing is mimosas and things oh. start to flow through people. And all of a sudden it's like, uh-oh, this is a powder keg. Like the one place you don't want to have a problem is somebody that's drinking mimosas on an empty stomach and your food's not doing well. And it's just, you can see it building. And it was like, I don't know. It was like the matrix. You could just watch it happening. And you're just going, what the hell is going on here? Like I couldn't figure out. And this is the thing that I always find interesting. Managers can do so much to tamp down, but if you just keep sending the server to the table, it just elevates, elevates. And all of a sudden it's like, now people are yelling and whatever. Look, we, we still found a way to have a good time. And obviously watching this, once I knew it was a disaster, it's like a car wreck. I'm going to watch it. Right. Like I've, I'm watching. So, and we're just sitting there quietly. We're playing with the baby. I, at this point in time, I already know we're in a disaster. It's all good. I'm not sending food back. I'm not asking for money off my, I'm not doing any of that. Just give me my bill. We'll pay it. We'll tip the server. Hopefully you guys will do well. I don't want to see businesses go out. I just don't have the heart to do that. And this is obviously a locally owned stat. A stat. This isn't Chili's. <laughs> you know, this isn't Applebee's. You know, this isn't part, you know, whatever of some conglomerate. Like somebody's trying to make it. But boy, oh boy, man, were they struggling. So you ever, I mean, you and I have talked about this. We're, we're very similar in we don't send stuff back. No. Ever. I they have only done it maybe two or three times. It would have been younger, wasn't thinking, just, you know, yeah, I was wrong. Go ahead and, and make it right. No ill will from my side. But later in life, I just started going, absolutely not. I'm not sending anything back. Like we even, I've gotten steaks that were, I think I even sent you, a, I don't know if I sent you a picture of that or not. I got this steak at a restaurant that literally, literally was red still looked like it was bleeding. I mean, it, it, it didn't even have a char on the outside. They only left it on for I, I had, that second. was probably my worst incident too. I had a steak incident, but four idiot buddies picked the worst place for a steak in Las Vegas, which how you even do that with a billion great steakhouses. So I just kind of blame them. I just made them pay for it. I'm like, you idiots wanted to come here. Look at these steaks. You guys are picking up the tab, but I'm, I'm like you, I just, I don't know. I don't, what do you, you know, again, and you know, this lady and these people aren't going to tip the waitress. The waitress didn't do anything wrong. You know, she was on top of it, but she's not back there on the griddle. So, you know, it, it's just one you chalk up. And, and here's what the unfortunate part is. This is what gets you to go to, to known commodities rather than trying new spots. Because as you get older, you're like, Hey, at least I know they make good food over here. Then you go to this new spot and it's, it's inevitable that the new spot you have some kind of like crap service or bad food or whatever. It is what it is, man. There is no, you know, like I said, we had fun. I, I absolutely had fun watching this lady melt down. Other tables started to melt down and we're just kind of laughing about it and you got to move on and you know, you got to grab something on the way home. I mean, it just turns out to be, you got to buy two meals. So where's, where is there, I, it, it is curious where everybody would stand on that, you know, like, has there been written some book on etiquette at a restaurant on when to send or what to do like that? I have always found that fascinating. What makes people get to the point? What makes people do what they do? You know, they got to understand where everybody's at. I take it right. I, I take it like as we move into one of the first things we're going to talk about, I take it that that restaurant was struggling with some staff problems. 
Yeah. I mean, I, it had to be right. Like there was, had to be. there was no the, fans the, or butts about it. I mean, yeah, I we, did. we saw signs on a restaurant that we went to that literally said they were, they preemptively were, were, were trying to get to that. And they said, long wait times, short staffed, be patient. Yep. Like, wow. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, there's no doubt. The funny thing is they weren't short staffed with waitresses they were kind of overstaffed there was too many people walking around you know what i mean and it kind of gave it an uneasy feeling but there's no doubt in the kitchen which you could kind of see into it was one of those places hey you want to see it it was like uh i don't i think you got too many people out here and not enough people back there and again one is neither one of them are easy work but one's real sweaty and hot and the other one's kind of like out chilling in the front, you know, pouring champagne. I mean, there's no doubt they were struggling to fill some really important positions. Yeah. The one, this, one of those restaurants we were at this weekend, I actually sat down with a, a friend that she has a birthday a day before mine. So we, 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 we've known each other for 20 something years. We always say right at the end of every time we always go, well, let's not wait till next year to get together again. But we never see each other throughout the year. We only see each other to celebrate each other's birthdays. It's a fun time for us to just kind of reconnect because we've known each other for so long. She's she's a great story. Came over from Zimbabwe in college to study, did all of her paperwork right. She got her, or you know, she's now a U.S. citizen. Uh, she then grew herself through uh, through the hospital chains in a sense, and so she was talking about all these massive buyouts going on in corporate uh, healthcare and streamlining. And, you know, I mean, this company that she's worked for, they're, they're a 20 something year old. I think they've been even longer than that. She's worked for them for 20 something years. They're embedded ingrained and they got into a forced buyout from a hospital. And a lot of it stems from some of these other struggles that they have been having they're the first time for them. And you're, you're talking a hospital. You're talking doctors that, <laughs> listen, doctors get taught bedside manners, right? If you're a patient, usually you're going to have a doctor that hopefully has really good bedside manners. It's a, it's a skill that they're taught. Outside of that bedroom manners, sometimes doctors, many times doctors, aren't exactly the most friendly people to be Listen, I was in business with one. They're sometimes not the funnest people to be around and their business sense isn't always the best. They use a lot of emotion and they're the king of everything, right? Like, so a lot of times these doctors have that mentality. And <laughs> two of these main doctors that are running this entire laboratory agreed to shut places down. Like she is now built herself into, she manages all these different draw sites where they go in and people draw blood, right? They're shutting them down. They cannot staff them. And she said that even her largest, largest ones that do the most volume, they literally just can't find anybody to work. She is confused. The doctors are confused. Everybody's confused. We talked about, hey, government money's out. Why aren't people working? Well, what's going on? They have no clue. They have no answers. As you and I say, the world just continues to change. It, it's an insane thing to think about uh, for us as detailers. I know you've struggled. We struggle here. We lose people. P 
people come and go. It's hiring's a tough thing, and especially in today's industry. When when you think of it for for business and detailers, well, huh, is it almost like a good luck? What? Yeah, I mean, so so last week we had we had an you know not an incident. We just you know it's normal stuff. But you know, I had a guy that basically for years has begged me to to get more hours and I want more work and and this and that younger guy. So we finally put him on full time. It's all good. You know, uh, he's only been on full time, you know, for like three weeks, four weeks. And then he like comes to me and he goes, Hey man, you know, uh, I'm, I'm going back part time. I'm like, wait a minute, man, we made an exception for you. You, you know, we didn't really have the room for you. You told us that you wanted to make more money. Now you don't want to make more money. Now everything's not on the up and up. All of these different things. We, we had to part ways. You know, we, we had to part ways because to me, what's happening is everybody just thinks now what you're running into as an employer. I, I think your story kind of shows it. It's not just detailing the world has changed mentally about what it means to have a job, to have a have pride in what you do, to wake up and pay your bills. I mean, that, that mentality is somewhere else now. We can't fight that, right? Like you're hearing this from medical people who probably are hiring people with four year or master's degrees, right? They're not hiring blue collar entry level positions like we are. We've experienced it at HyperClean. Every business has experienced this. This is not, you know, detailers think that they're having struggles. Oh, we're struggling to hire. No, no, no. Everyone's struggling to hire. And not only that, when you hire and you try to do the right thing and you're asked, hey, I want more, I want more, I want more, and you give that, there's going to be times that those people come back now and say, ah, you know what? <laughs> I'm good. I'm out. I don't want to do this. I know I asked you for it. They're not as, as forthright as employees anymore, as team members. We still have great people out there looking for jobs. Then now it really is a needle in the haystack. And, and, and your medical story proves that it's not just detailing. We're not just in a point here where detailers are struggling. The world is confused about what is going on with employment. Marty, go back to the middle of last year. What have we been telling detailers? You better diversify because this hiring thing is not getting better. So when you detail cars, you can only detail so, as much as you can detail. There is no scalability to detail. You can only do what you can do. We've been telling guys, get into chemical distribution in a real way. Diversify your business where other people are helping you scale because they're buying products and working while you aren't. They're doing the work. You're supplying the supplies, right? You're supplying the chemicals. There's a reason we've been preaching on this, and your medical story proves it. Folks, this isn't getting better. All the theories of what was going to happen when government money stopped and unemployment stopped and this stopped and stimulus stopped, it's been stopped. You're 12-plus months away from that, and hiring is probably worse today than 12 months ago. Yeah, and, and if somebody that's listening has heard us talk about it and you're starting to question it for yourself, chemical distribution, you know, send us a DM. 
uh, hyperclean store on Instagram. So it's a great way to start that conversation. I got off the phone just about 30 minutes ago with the guy. This is what I do for a lot of times during the day is, is answer phone calls, talk through options with people. The guy earlier, it was like, listen, go through, sit down, write out. I think this is the Benjamin Franklin approach. You, you write out the pros and cons, right? If you keep doing what you're doing, write out the pros for it, write out the cons for it. Then go look at something like chemical distribution. If you like sales, if you like talking to people, if you enjoy that, write out the pros and cons for that. Let's see what's going to outweigh. Because this guy was struggling between staying in a shop, changing up things. He was having a hard time with people also. And hey, <laughs> start to then put together an idea in your mind of the pros, what it would be like. What, what life might change for you? You're seeing, you're hearing all the stuff with employee problems and, and hiring. What would a distribution model look like? That's It's a great advice, Nick. There, definitely people should start to really put in the pros and cons of what that would look like being a hyper clean distributor. Uh, there's no, there's no, there, there's no doubt that there's multiple ways that, you know, if you talk about it, if somebody wants to go into that heavy employee talk, listen, go read. There's plenty of books you can read, plenty of classes you can take on, on management. There's, there's plenty of things you can do. One question though, that we begin to really raise a red flag about is where's the rules and detailing. Uh, it, it's funny. There's people that want to tell you processes, which we're big on processes. They want to tell you management. They want to tell you things. Uh, but it's very open-ended the way we've always made the approach. We all have ways that we could run our businesses. There's no rule book, but maybe there is, right, Nick? Maybe there is because we should all know, right? Over the past years, you have heard the term, know your worth, right? You've heard it, and it, it's been passed around in different ways. And this is what's funny. It would be great to toss this back and forth because we've seen a couple posts. We've seen a couple comments. We've seen some things being pushed back out with know your worth, but it's coming from a couple different aspects. So we've got one aspect that comes from a young kid that was talking to a dealership and uh, wanted was being paid to do single steps. And the guy looks at his car and goes, hey, this should really be a two-step. And he goes, well, I can't do that. I got to know my worth. Guys, dump your customers that don't know your worth. Yeah, well, it was an incomplete story. It was on social media. He said, know your worth about 17 times in a 30-second clip. The story didn't make sense. But again, you go to the comment section, as we talked on Saturday's episode, and it's just a bunch of people cheering it on, right? You know, it's, wow, that's so great. Yeah, know your worth, blah, blah. I don't know what that means. Again, I, you know, this episode to me comes down to, can somebody show me the rule book? What is know your worth? Show me the rules, right? We have this with the, uh, you know, support the people that give back to the industry, Marty. Okay, what does give back to the industry mean? Can you point me in the, the, the rule book of that? Like, we have all of these things going on in detailing where I think a lot of people just say a lot of things and we never get the rules, right? It's like the, 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 the unspoken rules of baseball. You know, that's, that's, the, that's not written down. You know, you just don't do that in baseball. Well, baseball's dying because of that. Okay. It's not, it's not a good business model. 
Hey, so speaking of baseball, I, I know I'm totally chasing a rabbit here, but I just found this was hilarious. Apparently in baseball, they have had from that rule book, they didn't quote unquote do it right. And they have the second base is too far away. And they're actually now going back in and changing the rules and moving the second base closer to the home plate and pitcher mound. Yeah. I mean, the fuck unwritten rules sound great, but that's, that's where detailing is now, right? Like know your worth. Okay. Well, explain to me what that means. I mean, how many 22 year olds should be charging what I charge, but there's plenty that do it. They haven't put in the years. There's plenty of detailers that have put in 10 years, seven years. So does a beginner charge what I charge? How does he know his worth? He went to a training. He was told what, what is the rules to all of this? And when you see these types of posts gain steam and tick, I'm here to tell people, man, TikTok is taken over for detailing information. There is just no other way to say it. And the information is so bad across the board that again, you go to the comment section and you go, these people don't have any prayer of making it long-term because this is just a bad theory. Know your worth. If there are rules to it and you have a laid out plan of what that means. Awesome. But again, this guy just shares a BS story and we're down a road of how does that help anybody? And yet, you know, everybody's cheering it on. So it's, it is an interesting juggle match, right? Because we do value, we take a lot of pride in our work. We take a lot of pride in what we do as detailers and we should get paid a good return for the work that we do. Yep. There's no doubt about that. The rub in a sense comes at from something you said just a second ago. What's a 22 year old kid know about knowing his worth, but let's put this Let's put our, our, our shoes, in a sense, in his shoes. And we're working with somebody that is wanting more for the price that, that has been quoted. Okay? That, I think that's probably happened to you. It's happened to me, right? I, I've sure. returned a car to a customer, and they were not satisfied. Let, let's boil it down to that, right? Like, this guy's customer just wasn't satisfied. As you yeah. said, we don't know the full story. But... You can boil it down to pretty much their customer was not satisfied. Yeah. So what does in, he do? He he gets into an argument on social media telling people to dump customers that don't know your worth. Now, my comment in the comment section was completely agree. You should know your worth. Dot, dot, dot. Have you put in the time to learn the skills of a sales process? Because this right here is called an objection. Yep. So my reason to say that, as you and I know, is kind of to take a jab. Like, you know, and you're worth, but you don't even know how to do an objection in a sale. So what kind of worth do you have as a business operator versus a detailer whose skill set is pol polishing paint? There's so much more to knowing your worth inside of business. And it shouldn't be taken as a slap in the face from a customer. You should learn to handle objections. You should learn how to handle people. It's called interpersonal skills inside of business. Like you should be able to be able to talk to customers and work through their difficulties. We do it day in and day out, right? I mean, we've got, not only does everybody that experiencing problems with employees, listen, transportation and getting packages to people is constantly becoming difficult because of their staffing problems, right? We don't yeah. know. So we're 
always talking with our customers, working through difficulties, making things happen, getting stuff to them. We're working with customers that maybe aren't happy about something like that's the, know your worth in business. I know you're worth it. You need to put in more time to yeah. understand then how to sell and how to handle objections and how to handle upset customers. That's, that's, that's a generic term called customer service. Yeah. And again, we're all going to get the unreasonable customer. Yeah. You know, let's not, let's not act like it doesn't happen. It does happen. Amazingly, as you get better at business and you get more experience and you go through and you had, you know, 10 bad customers this month when you first started, you can go six or eight months as you get older and you get better in business and you have better processes and better ways of communicating. And here's what our pro here's what we're going to do on your car and all those different things. You know, what's magical. You don't have hardly any of those people. So as you set expectations better, when you return cars, you don't have somebody looking around going, well, I thought I was getting an interior detail. It's like, no, man, you paid for a ceramic coating. I mean, that kind of stuff happens when you first start, right? Like you're just not good. I wasn't good. I look back 12 years ago and I go, wow, I, I can't believe I got away with some of this stuff, right? Because now as you mature and you get some experience, you go, hey, my process is better. We take in a car better. We explain things to the customer more clearly. We have more signatures on things. Hey, you're signing for this work. You're, you know, you're just better. There is no better thing for your business than time, right? And experience and learning and paying attention. We keep saying paying attention to the things you're making a mistake on. But when you get on the internet and you go, I fired this customer because I know my worth, you're not paying attention. You're just not. I mean... If I had some jerk clients, you betcha. Are those the majority of my problems? No, they aren't. They're a very tiny percentage. Because you know what? Most people are decent people to deal with. Doesn't mean they're a perfect customer, but they're decent to deal with. And when you go on the internet, if everybody in this industry makes you feel like somebody's trying to get over on you. And let me explain that that is just not how the average customer works. They don't know how to get over on you. They don't know your business well enough to get over on you. And that's what this guy thought. Well, I got this client. I'm doing this service. And then he asked me to do more. Hey, man, like you said, look at him and say, I would love to do more. But more costs a little bit more. So, hey, if you want me to take this back, I'll 50 stage correct it. If that's what you want to pay for. But we got to understand that what you paid for was a single step. This is the results we can get out of that. I would be glad to make an adjustment to the, this car, but it's just going to be a little bit more on your bill. There's no topic of that. It was just know your worth, know your worth, know your worth, know your worth. It's, it's like, man, that's, that's just a wild place to be. And, and that's why I tell so many guys that reach out about that stuff is it just feels like a cancerous mindset to me. Yeah. It, well, and the interesting too, right? The dichotomy of knowing your worth is apparently there's a ceiling also. <laughs> On knowing your worth, right? Hey, like, had, hey this thing <laughs> popped off big, huh? I, it, crazy. So much at, at once, right? Like, know your worth. Cancel your customers down here. Know your worth. Hey, never charge to not put on a coating if you haven't done a correction. What? Like, everybody that listens to us knows that you, you should polish, right? You, you should do some correction. You should fix the paint that customers want fixed, right? Like 
It's the customer's car. It, you should polish it. I love to polish cars. Not every single customer wants their car polished. And what you've been stating to people, not every car should be polished, right? Like, not every car should be compounded. No, no. 100%. And, and, and now we're in a position of a guy we've had on the podcast. I mean, let's, let's, let's open it up. Uh, you know, David Fermani made a post in, in a Facebook group, and it caught fire because he charged a customer a dollar amount, specifically states in the post, this customer did not want the car polished, did not want the Jeep polished, because it's just going to get banged up or whatever, didn't want it polished. I charged him this amount, but evidently that was too much money. But again, this is where I go back to. I want everybody that follow, follows us to hear this very clearly, and it's not because I think I'm right on something. It's me giving you a thought. Where are the rule books? Support the companies that give back to this industry. Okay, what does give back mean? You never get the definition. You never get the rules to the game. That's not a good thing. That's not something we should just say willy-nilly, is it? Know your worth. This is too little and that's too high. Okay, can you give me specific numbers? You should do this. You shouldn't do Where's the rule book? And if they don't give you the rule book, that's the red flag. That it's not really about doing the right thing. It's about sitting on your high horse and saying, that guy shouldn't do that. And that's where we are. A guy posts, this is what I charge for the job. This is what the customer got. This is what the customer asked for. It was a high ticket price. I thought that was the whole point of know your worth. Was to make more money. But I guess that's not the rule. When there's no rule book, guys, stuff aren't, it's not for real. It's just something somebody wants to say to seem like they're on the higher ground, but you notice that there's never really any specifics given. Know your worth. Give me the specifics. What does that mean? Lay it out. If I live in Las Vegas, should my worth be more than somebody who lives in a small town in Texas? Okay, do those numbers for me. Give me the formula of knowing my worth. How many years should I put in? Somebody two years in, should their worth be different than mine 24 years? What are the rules to all of this? It's just general statements that don't lead you to any level of success. And I think this is where detailing is right now, is that we're not having real substantive conversation about how to actually build a business. It's just a lot of generalities. Support those that support the industry. It's a generality. What does that mean? Walk me through what that means. And every time you ask somebody to walk you through it, they just don't. They're not able to. And so that's the interesting thing about the David Fermani post to me. It's like, he, that was the definition of knowing your worth, if you ask me, and he still got screamed at. So <laughs> I don't know. It, it's always been strange. We've said it. I think everybody that when you get into groups or, as you mentioned, it's not even groups now. I mean, there was a big rebuttal to his comment that, post that was made in a Facebook group then gets go puts out on TikTok where 
somebody goes off on it, right? Like crazy. Yes. Should so you let's know? Walk through, hold on, but hold on. Let's walk through the TikTok post. This guy is a veteran detailer. It looks like he's had a shop for quite some time. Probably does good stuff. Like no judgment on this guy, but he gets into the right and wrong conversation. You should never do this. If you want to actually put a coating on like a professional two posts earlier, what do you see? If you do the five seconds of research on the guy, he's selling a training program at a shop. But how many of you want to do the research? Because everybody always asks me what I mean by that. Just go, go through some posts. Took me less than five seconds to, to understand that this guy was using a moment to market something he wanted to market, which is he knew best. It wasn't that he was actually mad about the post. He was trying to sell something earlier. But it crossed over. This is where we say, here's a Facebook post that's now being used on TikTok to push somebody else's business. And how many guys are not going to catch on to what's going on? And the, the question that I had rolling around in my head when I bring up the, the TikTok post, I, I, I think of both of them. And I, I hear these guys, you know, it's know your worth. Man, wow. How much time did I just spend making this post? How much time did I just spend <laughs> making this video on telling other people to know your worth? I mean, there's got to be a point I would, I would imagine that you got to look at yourself in the mirror and go, I know my worth and this probably isn't worth my time to waste. I don't. And if people constantly waste their time, listen, I get it. You and I've talked about it. it's easy to go in to TikTok, I do it, Facebook groups, whatever, and, and spend some time just for entertainment. Don't consider yeah. that. I don't consider that a waste of my time. Nope. But to lecture other people about knowing your worth when you didn't know how to operate your business correctly just seems to be a big waste of time and maybe they don't really know their worth. Yeah. And it goes back to what does it mean? Yeah. Know your worth. Great. You've made it, you made uh, a three word statement here. Walk me through what it means. Walk me through the rules of the game. Walk me through how this helps me. All you're saying is you had a bad customer interaction and then we flip through a couple more swipes on TikTok, and we're at the place where a guy charged a certain amount and it was too much. How dare he do that? How do, I don't think that at all. I don't look at dollar amounts and maybe this is something just to kind of, you know, you talk, talk about chasing a rabbit. Why do guys get bent out of shape about what some other guy charges? You didn't pay the bill. So I'm sitting there and I'm reading this Facebook post and let's just say somebody said, Hey, this detailer charged somebody $50,000 to put a coating on their car. Well, I didn't pay the 50 grand. That doesn't bend me out of shape. I didn't pay the $50,000. What do I care what somebody else spent? I had somebody tell me recently about amount of money they spent in another detail shop here in town. They, didn't, they weren't satisfied with the work. They kept repeating the dollar amount. I don't care about the dollar. I, I had to say, you keep saying this dollar amount. What, what does the dollar amount have to do with you getting bad work? You, you just got bad work. Like, what is the whole thing with the dollar amount? What, what is it, the fascination with the dollar amount? Is it the word you and I talked about that starts with an E, ends with a Y? Envy? Like, is there some of that that 
we, we, over the years as an industry, this is just a generalized, you know, view as people started getting bigger tickets because of ceramic coatings, it was a massive cool thing for our industry. And was there just a, a lot of envy? And so many of us chase that my deal with why I've always talked and kind of went the opposite direction. I'm with you. I I think it's great. I happy David Vermonti can make 4,000. I mean, why would somebody be mad that somebody else made really great money? Like I, that's awesome that he does. My deal has always been guys. You don't need to chase it too. the overall amount of the industry is that's David Vermonti is a, half of 1%, right? Like, I mean, there's few people that could ever develop a business to where their customer would pay them $4,000 to do that work, right? Like, good yeah. for him. You should celebrate it, right? But 99.5% of the rest of the industry just should not be chasing that carrot. They, they just shouldn't be doing it. That's why I've always tried to encourage people that, hey, the main funnel of the market The main customer base isn't going to be there. It's always going to be in a single layer. You know, the amount of people that it's crazy are doing the wash clay and coat now with Uno and Dose is just, it's a skyrocket. And I'm going, yes, that like, and they are made. That's like good for you. Your average guy, your average detailer, even your above average should just be in this other section. But there's no rule book, right? There's there's nothing that dictates to people on what level they should make or where they should. Yeah. It really should be up to each other, right? Yeah. And I look at it a uh I don't know why people care. I, I, I'm just at this place where the people that follow us, what I want to really hammer home is the people that follow us and, and, and want to believe in the hyper clean way should be really not concerned what someone else is charging. What does it take to run your business? What is a fair price for you to make a, a profit that you're happy with that can allow you to eat, allow your, your, your shop to move forward, your, your mobile to move forward, whatever it is, and move on with your life? I have no idea what another person in this city charges. None. Don't care. I know what it takes for me to build a business. That's what matters to me. And that level of focus has has done pretty well for me the last 12 years. Marty, we can say this about HyperClean. We develop a product. We know what the, the, the cost of the product, the bottles, every. We charge what we have to charge so we can make some money and put it back into the business, right? We, I'm not concerned that somebody down the street is charging this or charging that. We're just doing what's right for our business. And when I look at this, again, you look at the David Fermani post, a guy we've talked to, a guy whose work ranges from complete restoration work down to this type of work. He's somebody that's put his time in. He's developed a clientele. That clientele pays him X number of dollars 
to do whatever service he's providing. What does it matter to me? I'm not paying the bill. So me getting upset about it says a lot more about me than it does about the other detailer. Good for them or bad for them or whatever it is happens in the end that doesn't have any effect on what I'm doing a thousand miles away from that detailer on the internet. And like you said, it goes down to time, man. What are you spending your time on? Hating on something on the internet? Okay, you're allowed to do it. It's a free country. Do what you want. But then don't tell me you want to be successful. I mean, those things don't go together. My successful clients are not worried about what this detailer is charging somebody in wherever he's located. Do they? They're not paying the bill. And I go down to that all the time, man. Everybody wants detailers to know their worth. That's been this big push in our industry. But like you said, there's a cap on it. And then there's a floor on it. So obviously, all these detailers that are big on know your worth, they know the numbers, put them in a rule book. Then we all can talk about it in a real way. Right now, I think we're just having the same conversations we've been having the last five to seven years. And it's not advancing. It's getting worse. because. Now somebody charges too much. Somebody doesn't charge enough. Somebody, I mean, we're, we're, we're now in this cycle where all we're judging is what somebody we don't know is charging to do a detail. And we have no idea what the customer relationship is. We have no idea why that person's willing to pay that or not willing to pay. We have no idea of any of it. And I keep saying the same thing over and over again. I don't envy people that don't know how to do research because it's not hard couple swipes, man, you can find out what, what the motive of somebody really is and then say, do you want to listen to them or not? Yeah, definitely. Good words, brother. Uh, hopefully, hopefully listeners will understand where, where this kind of comes from. And it's, it's, it's overlooking the industry, but it's also very practical, right? Like, it's a very practical discussion so that we can all continue further. Uh, that's it's really what we all want. We all want to grow. We all want the industry to move on. We want more and more out of all of us. Yeah. So why would, and, and again, we all, we all just want to uh, push things forward. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like if Know Your Worth is pushing us forward, great. Let's establish some rules to it, some baselines to it, and then let's push the industry forward. But we've been waiting on that for years. So it's not going to happen. So then it's not valuable, right? We can explain to people that are in HyperClean's way of thinking exactly what we believe. Go follow these steps. Your business will increase. We can give you names, numbers of, of people that have, have had success doing that. You know why? Because there's a rule book to it. There, there's a step and a process to it. We, we can show you exactly what we believe. Somebody's just telling you, hey, man, passion's enough. We told you it's a red flag because it doesn't mean anything. It's not, it's not something you can go out and put into practice, right? I mean, Marty, this is what this is about. Can you put something into practice that makes you more money, that makes you more successful, that moves your business forward? This is what this episode is really about. And like I said, uh, you know, hopefully we can get David Fermani on because I'd love to hear his perspective of, of how this thing caught fire and and really you know for detailing went pretty viral uh in, in a very short period of time definitely well we'll reach out hopefully we can get that talk yeah sounds yeah. great man
All right, Nick. Have a great week, brother. All right. You too. See you, man. Hi, this is Marshall, and I'm going to leave you with this thought, right? As you've heard this episode, you're curious too. Is there a rule book? Where, where do I, if there's not a rule book that's going to walk me through every single thing that I need to do in my business, hmm, how do I get answers? I'm going to encourage you then be a part of the community pub. It's Wednesday nights, 730 central zoom ID is 918-800-1188. The feedback that we get about the pub is that people can come in, talk about a problem going on or a question, or even give just insight to successes that they're finding. And listen, there's detailers from across the country that get to chime in. They'll encourage you, might give their input, Give the way they might do it. Hmm. Interesting how building a community can help you grow your business. So be a part of the community pub. It's Wednesday nights, 730 Central. Zoom ID 918-800-1188. Who knows? You might find your worth.